Welcome to episode 113 of Left Behind Game Club. This week, we play Moonlighter. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to the Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob Accord, and today I have one friend with me. He is the co-host of the Dinosaur Machines Game Club podcast, as well as YouTuber. It's Dan Colonna. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, Jacob. Welcome to your show as well. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I welcomed you. You see, everyone, you're always saying, hey, welcome to our show. I welcome you to your show tonight. Oh, thank you. I've never been welcomed to my own show. And you know what? I'm going to make Mo and Mike do it from now on. Oh, no. I mean, oh, yes, but I have a feeling I'm going to get some tweets in a couple of days like, hey, man, why'd you have to welcome him? We never welcome him. But <laughs> Why did you break, Jacob? Uh, tell us about what you do. Uh, you you also host a or a co-host of a, of a game club podcast. So, like, I want to know. Tell me about it. Okay. The Dinosaur Machines Game Club podcast where you are the listener is me, myself, and my friend Mark and Dave. There's two me's there for some reason. And we talk about a game that we play as if it was a book club. It's a game club. And we just, you know, some of us hate it. Some of us love it. We have a trivial tastemaker where we challenge each other to very trivial trivia at the end where it's just points that we share between ourselves. And that's, yeah, that's the podcast that we've been going since 2016, um, which we only just realized how long ago that was. Like, oh, yeah, we just started this podcast. And then we looked at the episode number. It's like, oh, the time is passing. Um, but yeah, we have a great time with it and we oftentimes don't feel the same way about a game. So you get like all three perspectives of one game usually. Uh, so if, if y'all like this show and y'all are looking for more shows in the game, in the game club style, can't speak today, uh, check these guys out again. It is the dinosaur machines game club podcast Thank you for coming on today. I'm going to thank you again. Uh, we are talking about Moonlighter today, developed by Digital Sun, published by 11-Bit Studios, released first on Windows, Mac, Linux, PS4, Xbox One on May 29th of 2018. We start this show like we start every one of our shows with our fast pitch. It is a one-sentence pitch on the game that we are playing. Uh, so I will go first and give a one-sentence pitch on this game. Here we go. Moonlighter is a shopping, uh, uh, a roguelike that also involves shopping. That was weak, but I'm sure Dan. But it was accurate. My my take at this is Moonlighter is like Zelda, but you sell stuff you find in dungeons. Ah, coming up and showing me up. I love it. (laughs) Well, I welcome juice, and I feel like I have to, you know. Show me up. Let's go. Yeah, that, I feel like that's the first thing I felt when I played this game. Like, this is Zelda. Tell me what your, your personal history is with this game and with games like it. Uh, okay, so games like it, I can say, let's start there because that's interesting. I love Harvest Moon and I love games where I'm, for some reason, farming and making money. I don't particularly see, I mean, everyone wants to make a decent amount of money in their life and have comfort, mm-hmm. you know, but... I'm not seeking wealth at wealth actively, so it's like I don't know why I want to seek wealth in these video games. But Harvest Moon's all about you know farming and making the most of your time, and Moonlighter is that plus Zelda without the farming. That's a different game. Um, and I, for some reason, that clicked with me, and 
I only learned about this game from my friend Ron. He's an artist, a friend of mine, and he's like, "Oh, you guys got to play Moonlighter." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And it's I'm never really drawn to roguelikes, but this one, like all of the pieces together, just felt right. And Ron turned me on to it, and then I started playing it. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is a little addicting." And it took those elements from like games like it, like Harvest Moon, and then Zelda, which I also love. And I was like, "Okay, I'm never leaving." <laughs> I'm the same boat as you. Like I, I think I saw this game first um, when it was being released and talked about, but it, it fell off my radar mm-hmm. and then it hit Game Pass. And I played about an hour of it on Xbox Game Pass and I went, oh, a game that is it takes the best things from roguelikes and like the dungeons from Stardew Valley. Right, right. And then allows me to sell things. That is such a novel concept that I've we've not seen in games before. So I was immediately in. Mm-hmm. The dumb thing that I did, though, is I had it for free on Xbox Game Pass, but told myself, this would be a really great game on the Nintendo Switch. Um, and so yes. I bought it on Switch. <laughs> I have it on Switch. And I had is it that on how PC. You it? Yes, it is. I had it on PC. And I, I have Dead Cells on PC as well, which we might talk about later, maybe not. But I am this close to buying it on Switch just because I want it on the Switch. And I feel like that's just a waste of money, but maybe it's not. I don't know. But yes, games. this game is perfect for the Switch. It is not inexpensive, or at least when I bought it maybe two or three months ago, it was not inexpensive. Like you paid full pop, which is like, I think, 35 bucks. Right. But I'm just dumb because I had it and I'm like, this would be great on Switch. <laughs> and it is great on Switch. Yep. Um, but maybe I maybe I shouldn't have bought it, but that's... Well, you have it That's now. That's a story for another time. Yep. I have it now. It's also on iOS, which I did not just came know out that. in November. Is, yeah. That's, I can't even imagine because I feel like this game really asks you to be kind of specific about your timing. So, uh, you know, screen keyboard might make that weird, but maybe I'm, maybe, maybe it's perfect. Wow. I mean, you could, you could do the like controller and like do Bluetooth with a PS4 controller or an Xbox One controller, yeah. but like I could not imagine playing this game with, uh, with touch controls. Yeah. I feel like you can have this really sick setup with your phone or you have a controller hooked up to it with like surround sound speakers on the top. And I'm like, at that point, just either play the Switch or you're, but it, I, I've seen some setups with phones. I'm like, you really want that to be the way you enjoy this game? Like, okay. But, yeah, I mean, it's cool that the option's there. I'll say that. that. That's really... I did not know it was on iOS. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's a brand new thing. So if, if you are listening to this and you do not have a Switch or a computer or a PS4 or an Xbox right. One, maybe this is a is a good choice for you. Um, What kind of game? I know we, you succinctly said it. It's like Legend of Zelda, but you sell the items that you take out of dungeons. But I, I think that there's maybe a little bit more to what moonlight is is that is that correct in in saying yeah uh, my elevator pitch was just to hook somebody with the gameplay like if you like playing because i feel like every roguelike is defined by the loop it forces you to you know play because you are going to be starting over in a lot of instances and if you don't like the few things that actually make up the core gameplay then you're not going to like playing those things over again and failing a lot um Mm -hmm. but the random dungeons is a huge part of this game because I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, you find all your loot there, and you can't really go back, essentially. So if you're in a dungeon, you better get what you need and not die. And it's all yeah. it's all written into the story. Like, and that's always good. Like, thank you for making the randomness make sense. And that is a pretty big part of the game, because, you know, you make the decision. Like, can I make it through and beat the boss, or do I want to bug out with my pendant of escaping and take the loot and go? Because if you don't, you die, you lose everything, and then you're back where you were 
So, yeah, what you said is, like, the way the game is structured is there are, like, four main dungeons. And these dungeons have, like, imagine that you have a grid, a gridded piece of paper, maybe 12 to 20 rooms that are just laid out. And then as you go, like, within the dungeon, so deeper into different floors, you... Um, you put the loot that you have in your bag at risk. And of course, like there are ways that you can send some items back to your store to be able to make more money and get better items and progress in the game. But I died a whole lot yep. when I started this game because I, I didn't understand that like, no dummy, like you're very weak. Stop risking stuff. Like just if you make it through five rooms the first time, then just leave right. and take your items with you. It's it's such it's that the once you learn that discipline with Moonlighter, then you're playing the game because you're not playing to beat the boss. Every game, I feel like I play to beat the boss, but roguelikes especially don't want you to get to the boss that often. Once you get to the boss, you've basically won. Usually, mm-hmm. not always the case, and um, <laughs> that this game just wants you to like get used to the dungeon, get comfortable with the controls, and then be smart because you have to make money to get better, to buy better armor, to craft better armor. You have to find things that you would otherwise sell to make armor. And you're balancing all of this while, again, banging your head against this randomly generated dungeon and these, like I said, fairly demanding of your timing controls. So it's an interesting balance to figure out. (laughs) I want to ask you because I didn't love the controls. I would say like if there's one thing in this game that like I banged my head against a lot, it was the movement and the controls. So if we're if you're describing it to someone who's not played this game, the way I describe it is it has a very strict like four direction movement mm-hmm. as well as a four direction like um striking with your sword and uh shooting of of your projectiles. Is that is that fair? Did you struggle with that like I did? I struggled with that to the point where I started the game and I it's worth noting I love Dark Souls and those games. So I'm used to using the triggers for heavy attack strong and, and you know normal attack. So Almost always, I find myself like doing that, changing the controls to Dark Souls, basically, because there's dodging in this too. <laughs> and once I did that, it felt a little better. But yeah, the controls definitely, uh, even with my beautiful setup, you know, best configuration ever. Look at this professional Dark Souls player playing Moonlighter like it's whatever. <laughs> and um, once I got that going, I felt better. But there is like a little bit of, I guess, sludginess to it if you're not used to it. Like it's a little, it's not laggy. It's just. You're committing. You're basically committing to a movement, and that's the Dark Souls thing. Like, you, if you swing your sword and you miss, you're still in the animation. And yeah, there's a little bit. The way of that. I describe it is being like rigid. Yeah, it's it's very rigid. That if if you are not used to playing a game like that, um, movement is one thing that I could kind of get over, but it's that swing of a sword mm-hmm. um, that takes two seconds. But also not not just the commitment to it, but the the fact that there's not eight direction yes. attacking. It is four direction. It's very attacking. very strict about you. You want to hit in front of you, you better be facing in front of you. But that does change if you have the broadsword. I think one of those. Yeah. So yeah. Why don't we talk about the weapons? Because there are like five major types of weapons, and I definitely like stuck to two of them. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to know kind of what your loadout was like. Broadsword and bow and. Yeah, same. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For that, I think we probably play this game very similarly. And it's worth noting, when we talk about Zelda, we're talking about old-school SNES, NES Zelda, not Ocarina. It, like, yep. just to put that out there. So, And the maps look like that. Like, you know, top-down, 
And just, yeah, like having the ability to strike to your side with the, with the broadsword changed the whole game for me. Because it's already very slow, so why not lean into how slow it is? And then, you know, you have a bow. You can you can try to get some enemies across the room. So it was, to me, the right balance. I tried the other stuff. I think I liked the lance a little bit, but I didn't level up any lances to the point of worth. But, yeah. yeah. It's funny that I we both use the, the same, same boat as you. Yeah. Same boat because I tried the spears and I was like, this is fine. I might have gone through and updated them one time. So it's also fair to say that your weapons and all of your armor have progression to them. Right. And so as you collect more items in the dungeon, you sell things, you have a combination of money and items that upgrade your items, uh, that upgrade your weapons rather. So there are, you know, swords and shields. There are the broadswords, the spear, sorry, sword and shields, big swords, spears, gloves, and bows. Uh, we both use the broadswords and the bows. Uh, I experimented with the spears. The gloves, like, I liked them, but you have to get in real close. Yeah. And if you're really bad at video games like I am, like, <laughs> you're putting yourself at risk the entire time. Yeah. And I just never found myself blocking. Even if like, you're instead good. instead of blocking, I'd be rolling. Even if you're good at video games, Moonlighter is very punishing to the extreme melee approach. It does not reward you for getting up close and personal to a boss. Or a regular enemy, for that matter. So, yeah, I think that what we did was probably a very popular choice among most people. Because I didn't find myself blocking either. Because your character can be moved back. And you can fall through pits in this game. It's not very forgiving. It's fun. But it's not very forgiving when it comes to little things like that. And it's, yeah. (laughs) It definitely has that quirk where you have to really be patient. And also, when you pick a weapon or two, because you have a secondary weapon... You're committing to that upgrade tree as well. You can't just abandon ship. You're going to be sending yourself back like five levels, essentially. And I thought that was really interesting. So it makes sense like that we liked weapons and stuck with it because that's kind of the game's whole thing. Like, all right, you're in. You're you're a broadsword user now. And it rewards you for that because you get awesome versions of it. But yeah, like you're you're investing for sure. Yeah. You, you really, if you really wanted to grind you could decide to change weapon paths halfway through. But like you said, it the game will really... Like, you'd have to go back if there are four dungeons. You'd probably have to go back a dungeon. Would you have to go back you a dungeon? You can go to the... There's a, a mart. A mart. I guess a mart. A quick mart that sells uh, old old items from previous dungeons. It does help you avoid some grinding, but you still... You're investing gold, which could be used on your new armor your new weapons but you'd be setting yourself back a bit but again if you're not having fun it might be worth trying so i mean now that there's um new stuff since i've played the game that's come to it maybe i would explore new weapons just for the heck of it i know there's new items in the game i haven't really sat with the new dlc yet but i know that maybe that's my incentive right there to try something new yeah, I think we both said that we had um, touched the yeah. Between Dimensions DLC that was released uh, in 2019. Mm-hmm. I I played the game for like maybe 20, 25 hours. And then I, t- I got the bundle for the Switch that had both. It was like an extra $3 to get the DLC. So I'm like, heck yes, right. let's do it. And it remixes. It gives you a new dungeon where it remixes a lot of the different um, enemies that you have. It gives you new enemies, new mini bosses. It gives you new sets of uh, weapons and uh, armor. But I don't know how you felt. I, I just I finished the game and I liked it a lot. But I was like, this is more of the exact same thing, and I am okay. I was very done 
and in the best way. I felt like I had a yeah. great experience, and I was like, you know, Moonlighter, thank you. And I'm going to let you stay on my shelf for a while. If I want to start a new save, that's a different story, but I was having that, do I start a new game plus with the DLC, or do I start a new game, or do I continue my existing save? Because you can, when you're done, just keep going and selling and you know pillaging if you want to, but you know it wasn't really... That, that the game kind of ends there. There is like this lack of a story that maybe contributes to that feeling. The way the game ends sort of just ends. Um, I'm not really that curious because I was never really given much to be curious about. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that kept me from really like, oh, I need this DLC now. I feel like it could have been with the main game the whole time. But Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that like some indie games... Not to label this as an indie sure. game, but like some games with smaller budgets, mm-hmm. like have killer stories. This game just has like a very storybook story where it's like, isn't it your your grandfather or someone? Yeah. Run the shop. Says like, and run the shop. There are bad. There are bad folks in the in the dungeons. You're too weak to deal with them, so please don't go in there. Oh, you're going in there. Cool, good for you. Like right. that's kind of the story. Basically, which is Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon is <laughs> is your grandfather's barn, and it's funny. I, whenever that trope is used, I like to think that if I hadn't played this game before, it's me playing again, and I am my grandfather living that life again. On this is very existential. But that trope, whenever it comes up in these games, I'm like, oh, so someone's grandfather, which could have been my previous save of this game, and now the shop is in ruins. I like to play that mental head game with myself. But um, yeah, that's basically the story. And then at the end, I mean, not not to get too far into spoilers, but you learn more about what the dungeons are powered by, and then it sort of just ends. (laughs) Yeah. I I think like... Skip ahead 15 seconds if you don't want to hear this. But, like, essentially it's, like, interdimensional space pirates. Like, yeah. that's, that's the the trope, right? Yep. They come down, and then they say, we got it. Stop. Stop doing the dungeon stuff, basically. That's, like, basically how they word it. Like, we're good. You can back off now. And then the day is saved because you help the space pirates come back and stop the evil something or other. Like, I don't, oh, no, it was the space police, and space pirates were... The issue. Were the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Which, again. And they, they were like they were like the slimes yep. that occupied machines that would move. Like, imagine like a space pirate is like a kind of robot, but there's a slime in the middle of it that's controlling it. And they can move between like larger machines right. to occupy. It was, I don't want to say it was messy. It was just like a very simple story. Yeah. That you really had to pay attention to or else you'd miss it, it. But it definitely got thrown in there all at the end. Like the real meat of it was given to you at the end. And that's, you know, I'm fine with that. Like, it's fine. Yeah, because again, not knocking anything. that I wasn't really too, I wasn't there for the story. I was there yeah. for how much loot am I going to make on this run? How, how What am I going to make with all this cool stuff I just got? Oh God, I hope I don't die on the way through this boss fight. Like how can I make this work? And that was really, the game is that. Like, you know, living in the moment in the town selling your stuff really really landed with me without the story having to be good. Uh, I want to go back to something that you had talked about, and it was um, the town. Uh, the town is almost its own character where within it you have your shop, mm-hmm. which we haven't talked about the shopping mechanic. We will. Uh, but before we do that, there are other shops that you can go to to either you know craft potions, to craft items, to buy little uh, enchantments, little items for your shop. And then 
there's the banker as well. I, I don't know if you use the banker at all. I I didn't even. I, did I don't it once think and I'm I, like, oh, cool. It's the stock market. Yeah, I don't cool. think I did. I think I did and I lost money. And I was like, well, this feels <laughs> horrible. I'm not using this feature ever again. But uh, it was nice to flush out the whole town. And, and especially since you get an armor crafter and also that quick mart that I mentioned earlier, which gives you the previous dungeons uh, loot if you don't want to go in there and grind it out. Uh, that was very gratifying to just kind of bring the town back to life. That, again, I don't know, I guess I really did think of Harvest Moon the whole time, but that is that effect of like, oh, this thing's downbeaten and horrible looking, but I'm going to make it better with all of the stuff that yeah. I'm going to bring. And it's that instant feedback. It's like Mega Man X gets the armor and you can see him get stronger. Yeah. And it's like, this is good visual feedback that stays with you. And yeah, that kind of stuff just lands with me so hard. <laughs> So you probably then also loved uh, Moonlighter, the, what the game's name is, is based on your store, the Moonlighter. Right. Um, and it's a store where you sell the items that you found in the dungeons. And as you go through the dungeons, you know, the first, second, third, fourth uh, boss dungeon, uh, you also upgrade your store. And so, you know, you start with a very small store that maybe has like eight spots to sell stuff. And then over time you have this enormous, I don't call it a supermarket, but like enormous store. Yeah. Like you uh, can sell. F- I loved it. It was great. I love this part of the game. It was, it was selling stuff is its own mechanic, by the way. Like you have to learn what people want and if they like the price you set it at and if you're being unfair and you have to like kind of figure this out based on what, how they react to what you're selling. That was to me so clever and simple. And seeing the shop grow around it, like, oh, I can decorate. And then the decorations have their own effect on the store. Like, all these little mechanics existed just around the shop. And it really, it wasn't glazed over. It wasn't this, uh, oh, you yeah. get a golden medal and you can sell it for 250, you know, pieces of gold. It was like, golden metal is going to go in and out of supply and demand. It might be selling for more today. And this, you had to keep these things in mind. Like, you had to watch the store. People could steal from you. It was just like its yeah. own thing. I was reminded of the way I felt when I played like Game Dev Tycoon for the first time. Oh, wow. Like there's a lot of, it, it looks simple on its face, but the selling mechanic or the selling piece could be its own game entirely. Yep. Because as you said, like you're managing like supply and demand. You're managing people that come into your store and want to steal stuff. <laughs> Uh, you have a catalog with you that has all of the items and you first have to sell like without knowing the price. But then over time you learn like, okay, a good price is 2000 gold. A better price is 2100 gold because people are still happy and I can make more money. Right. Yeah. It could be a game of its own. I, I don't actually know what part of the game I liked more, the selling piece or the dungeon piece. That to me, what that debate is probably why Moonlighter is so good. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no, the downtime is fun. Like, this is like your in-between time between fighting things. Now you're just playing this puzzle game of what sells better. And then when you're all done with that, you literally have to be because the day ends in the game and you go back to the fighting. So this loop, like, it lulls you into a sense of comfort, which totally exists. It's just, it's not a false sense of comfort. And (laughs) yeah, like, selling stuff is so gratifying to, like, figure out, like, oh man, I totally figured out when I should put stuff on sale. I'm making money. This is great. And there's no real, I don't think there's like a lot of failure when it comes to the store. You only grow slower, essentially, the worse you do. But as you start to figure it out, it's so gratifying once you get to that point where you're yeah. like, everyone's leaving happy. 
no one's stealing stuff. And then you can hire an assistant. That's cool. She helps you not get yeah. stolen from. Yeah. It's a great combination I, of two mechanics. <laughs> I super loved even the, the considerations that you start to have as like a, an in-game entrepreneur, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, when you're like, is it worth my time now to even sell like these items that are worth 10 gold a piece? Do I put them in the bin? Do like the, the discount bin? Do I even like bother? Like, do I just keep them in my inventory? Cause it's not worth my time. Like even that, uh, I don't say meta, but like that change was also very cool. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was just this, like stuff that you once revered as great loot became junk. And <laughs> I remember thinking like, wow, this golem stuff and the golems, I guess were the biggest part of the game for me. Cause that first dungeon will be probably the most time you spend in the game. Yep. And you'll get, you know, not to say the other dungeons are short, but you'll learn all your learning happens in that first dungeon. All the education mm-hmm. is that first dungeon. And, um, the golem metals like basically useless by the time you're done. You can still yep. sell it, but there's some items you get that are totally like worth like ten golem pieces, and it's just funny to watch that happen. Like, wow, I remember this is the this was the only thing I could sell. I only had room for like two things, and this was one of them. And now I have room for ten things, and no golem pieces here. <laughs> and like, there are like slight mechanical things that are layered on top, but I agree with you wholeheartedly that like. All of the learning, all of the growing, all of the failing will happen in that first dungeon. And then, hey, they'll throw on like, hey, what do you mean I can teleport to different like dimensions inside of a dungeon? Right. What do you mean this enemy like burns me instead of poisons me? Like that that's the kind of stuff that's layered on. But as you said, it's like all the learning and all the failing. And I won't lie to you. I almost stopped playing this game about five times in the first five hours because I was, I'm very bad at video games and I got very frustrated because I, I didn't want to stick with it and I just kept dying and I didn't understand the risk reward of like, I'm not a huge roguelike person. Mm. Like I've played a few that we'll talk about later, but I, I almost gave it up and I don't know if it's because this game's tough because it's not made for like the average fan or what, but did you ever feel like you were like, I don't want to do this. the beginning. Like I can't, I can't get the beginning was a learning curve. And I feel like you either correct the ship or go off the waterfall. And there's nothing wrong with either of those results. You know, so it's, it's a game that like, once you realize I have to be patient, I have to be methodical and careful and lame. I have to run away. Cause I'm a shopkeeper. I'm not like yeah. link. I'm not, and it t- the game tells you like, you're not like a hero. You're a, a merchant with yep. a sword, you know, eventually of course you do some, heroing and maybe that's the whole point of the ending is that you know maybe that's the whole point basically is you're not the hero stop being the hero and you're a merchant and the game does kind of like reflect that now that i'm thinking about the fact that you walk around a little slower than most you swing the sword very lazily if you're not using the right one like maybe that's the whole point of that but yeah like once you figure out like okay i have to bug out and leave with this good gear and that's actually a good thing. <laughs> Instead of it being like running away, you're it's a tactical retreat. It's a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you like the bosses? Because I, I, I wanted to before we like got to the end, like share that I loved three out of four of the bosses. In this you game. know, I can't really recall much more than the first boss. I beat the fir- I beat the whole game, but I'm trying to remember like which bosses really stuck out to me. I definitely remember the game's boss, like the last dungeon. Yeah. Was, yeah, was there's the, the Gollum King, who's like the one that you said where it's like uh, a boulder 
with the slime yeah, in it. The hands. Uh, remembered him with the hands. Yes. Uh, then there was like the the plant, the like bulbous yes. plant. Yes. Then there was like the 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 stone snake, and then the the final boss, the one that I didn't love, was like the energy orb. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I found was just like really easy for the next to final boss in the game, but I, I really love the boss design, especially the the carnivorous mute and the uh, the nausea, which is that like stone snake. Yeah, the the character design in this game. This is one of those games that you'll see on screenshot indie dev twitters and be like, when's that coming out? It's only one character animation or a piece of pixel art, but when is it coming out? Because the art in this game is gorgeous, and yep. the character design is gorgeous too. I'm just trying to remember. Um, the actual fights, I really only remember the last fight being really easy. Like, I had a broadsword, and I just ran in and just started hacking yep. away at this stupid thing's gut, and then I win. Which, you know, yeah. it could be worse. It could have been really hard and annoying. But, yeah, I think the first boss was my favorite one. It's just, it was, because I remember beating that boss, and I was like, this is really gratifying. I hated this dungeon, and now I'm done with it, more or less. Or hated. I should hated it like I hated first grade. Like I needed to do it, but you know it's over now, and I don't have to look back. So that's that's what that dungeon was, and that boss was so gratifying to get through, and it looked cool. Yeah, I'm kind of with you that like once I got to the fourth boss, and it was like the that little plasma orb, I beat it, and I was like, okay, like I think I'm good Mm -hmm. because there's not a, a fifth dungeon. It's just like here's the big bad. Run to the big bad. Beat the big bad. Um. And it was kind of easy. Uh, it's two phases. It's like, hey, there's a there's a space pirate that's going to attack you, and then he's going to go into a bigger machine and, and swing at you. But like, once I got through the fourth dungeon, like I felt like I had I'd become Hercules, right. slayed Zeus, yeah, and like was was done with Moonlighter. It's it's a it's such a great game uh, that you need a little patience with, but that like does not overstay its welcome. Yeah, it's like cool. Four dungeons done. I'm good with this game. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I don't need to play the DLC. It's great. It's wonderful. I love that I played it. I'm good. The wonderful irony is that this conversation will likely inspire me to check out the DLC, like, for more than a little <laughs> bit and and follow up with you at some point and be like, hey, the DLC is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that DLC. Right. Remember good. when we slept on the DLC for Moonlighter? But, yeah, but <laughs> that being said, like, I really sometimes when it comes to... I, I just keep talking about Harvest Moon tonight. I, I will finish a year in harvest moon. And that's usually like, mm-hmm. I think after year two in most of those games, you get the credits, but I'll still mm-hmm. want to go like, let's see what I can, how much money I can make in year five. Cause there is actually more to unlock, but Moonlighter just says, here's everything. You beat the last dungeon. You've done all the stuff and you're good. And I'm happy with that. Like you said, it doesn't always say it's welcome. And that's something I appreciate because I play destiny and that game only when it's done, will I be done in my head? It's just never ending. So it's nice to have games that end and, you know, then you can move on to the next game that might have an ending. So, well, you said like, let's move on to the next game or let's talk about a game that's not destiny. (laughs) Um, I'd love to jump into a segment that we call the recommendation machine. The recommendation machine, which is a segment where we talk about other games that if you liked Moonlighter or if you're curious about Moonlighter, uh, we're going to give you some other picks to go on. So um, as the guest, I will allow you to have the first pick. And I, I bet you our lists are very similar. I think they to might be. be. I, I, my first game on here, which I'm, maybe you have, maybe you don't, is Forager. No. Good. That will give them variety to hear. Um, it's more so 
it's kind of like you take the economy part of Moonlighter and build on that. The combat exists, but it's very simple. It's so simple and hilariously animated. It's very cute. And you just basically mine the land. You, you chop down trees. You build stuff. And then you buy more pieces of land. And then they might have more resources on them and more enemies. And most of the time, you're just building machines to create things to make other things. It's very addicting. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. What's the perspective like? Top down. Um, top down. Top down. And, and it's very cartoony. And it's just very... Like, eventually, you'll get to a point where most of the game is automated. And like you'll set up mining tools that just go for themselves. Mm-hmm. And things that just... You'll have a robot that picks up your resources for you. But when you're at that point, you're like, I am creative genius everything is great and then i think the game just about doesn't end really like there's no real ending you you get all the land of it like you're unlocking pieces of land and then that's it and then i think you i think there's 82 feats and those are all like little in-game achievements and i think that i broke I'll, I'll give you this small story about the game and then i'll let you say your suggestion yeah before i make this an episode about forager um, there's an <laughs> item called the obliterator Yep, and it does just that. So I destroyed a mushroom that was one of the colors of the rainbow with the obliterator. Most of the things in this game respawn or regrow or whatever. But since I obliterated one of the mushrooms, I could not destroy them in the order of the rainbow because one of them was just gone. And so I couldn't complete the last feat, which was to destroy those mushrooms in order of the rainbow. So my end game was going to be clearing 82 of those feats, but I only got through 81 because I broke it. I think it's on Xbox Game Pass. It's If you're looking for something to make stuff and kind of become... Like, like I said, it's more of an economy game than it is a combat game, but it's definitely worth checking out, and it, especially if you have it on Game Pass already. It, it looked... It, I, there's like a... I'm trying to like paint the word picture of the, the box art. It's like very bright colored with like you know, land and, and shrubbery, I think. And then there's this little white, like, man on the yep. front who is, like, not quite a, a small animal, not quite a ghost, but somewhere in between. If you've played Fez, it's that character without the hat. And yes, that's dating that myself the right there. description. It, it, it could be that same character. <laughs> like, you could tell me that's the, is the sequel to Fez. I'm like, yep, I get it. <laughs> Aren't they making a Fez 2? Uh, is that a thing? That I, don't, I don't know if that guy is making games anymore. Not Jonathan oh, Blow. right. Um, this is showing he's uh Phil Fish. Phil Fish. Phil Fish. Phil Fish. Yes. yes, he he. I think he's good though. You know what I mean? Like I think he's like I'm done. Uh, yeah. If you ever watch Indie Game the movie, you'll learn about yeah, both of those gentlemen a lot. They're, they're they're both very interesting. But same with um, is that the movie that um, who did Binding of Isaac? That is oh, that that guy's got his own documentary. I think Edwin Edward McMillan. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's, you're right. He's got his own separate documentary. You're totally There's right. There's a whole thing about him. He's, he's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, that um, was my suggestion. What, what what would you suggest to the players of Moonlighter? Okay. So there are very few games that are like Moonlighter because as we've said before, it takes like, uh, the, the old school top down Legend of Zelda style and then like adds in these like, uh, store mechanics. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a game that 
like fulfills both of them individually. So I'm going to give you two games. Uh, the first game is a uh, like an inc- an incremental game or like a clicker. Uh, I'm going to give you Universal Paperclips as one of my Ooh. like weird um, recommendations. Right. It is a game you can play for free on the web. Uh, it's designed by Frank La- Frank Lance and Bennett Foddy. Ah. Came out a couple years ago. And it just is a game where you, you know, start to click and you collect paper clips. And then as you go, you collect more things. You can automate your production of paper clips. You can invest in the stock market. It just goes on and on and on to like a really bizarre and fun place. So if you're into like weird games and you've heard of clickers or played clickers, I think that Universal Paper Clips is the best one that's been made. You know, I'm going to check this out because I played a clicker game. I think it was called Spud Clicker or something where you have a potato. You've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I played I played like because I know there's like Spud Clicker, Cow Clicker and Cookie Clicker. And anyone who's listening to this who doesn't know what clickers are going to be like, what are these guys talking about? Yeah. But uh, but I've heard of Spud Clicker. Is it kind of the same idea? It is that. And you click it a lot and you your potato does all sorts of stuff it's it's i played this game i used to commute a lot on the bus and i burned through games on my ds and on my phone thanks to that and this was one of those games that i played and i can sort of visualize it but that's it i don't remember much more about it but i clicked a lot and a lot of weird stuff happened and i remember i hit a point when the game basically turned me back around and said oh you've gotten so big that you're back down to where you started or something like that and i was like okay i guess i beat it but it, yeah that's i'll check this out i feel like it's gonna have that same effect on me yeah every every couple of years i get pulled it not even every couple of years every other year i get pulled into a clicker uh, a couple of years ago it was adventure capitalist i played for way too many hours wow. uh this game i played cookie clicker and each time like i'm like okay i i know what this game's trick is but like i want to go see see what it's all about so if you're into the store mechanic like i would check out universal paper clips or any of the clickers that we've talked about if you like the roguelike piece of this i'm going to talk about my favorite roguelike which is easily hades i is on okay that's on my list yeah that's that's is that on your list is. well then let's talk about it together oh, hades. tell me like what what you love about hades hey, all right so there's one thing that i feel like we can mention now is that moonlighter rewards you for your progress, even though you feel like you're not making any, right? Hades mm-hmm. does the exact same thing. Hades gives you story yep. beats even after you fail. Hades gives you experience points even after you fail. And I feel like, obviously, there's no economy in Hades. You're just spending money. You're using, you know, it's an action-adventure game. But um, mm-hmm. that sense of progress never stops. So you feel like you can just jump back in. And then it's been three hours, and you've been playing Hades your whole weekend. <laughs> and that's just how fast it happens. That's to me like their their common thread. Obviously, they're both roguelikes and randomized dungeons, but I feel like they both they learned that trick that other roguelikes struggle with, which is how do I keep the player invested this whole time? Like, because we're doing the same stuff over again, but how do we make it interesting? And Hades is like yeah. the masterclass of that. I think I adore everything that Supergiant does. Yeah. Um, I think Greg Kasavin and team like just crush it every at bat they get. Um, Transistor I couldn't get into, but like um, I loved Bastion, I loved Pyre, uh, and and this game is easily the best game I played last year in in 2020. 
So, uh, and not only what you said, but like even within the, the combat itself, like the boons that they give you, which uh, for context, the game is like based on mythology and you are the son of Hades or like the... Zagreus, the son the, of... The, the, he's Hades' son. Hades? Yeah, he's Hades' son. He just doesn't know he's who his Hades mom son. is quite yet. That's what he's trying to figure out. And so in order to figure out who his mother is, like he has to escape sticks in the underworld and he does so by by getting boons from all the major gods. So at one point you're like, Hey, Zeus gave me his lightning ability or, you know, Dion Dionysus gave me like some kind of ability where I can throw like drunkenness around. It is an exaggeration, but like it is very fun to like put those boons together. And it, it took me like 50 playthroughs to like beat the game on the first try because I'm bad at video games, but it, I didn't give up the whole time because it was so fun and rewarding. That's actually the number of playthroughs Dave, um, my co-host and good friend, mentioned as well. He was like, yeah, 50 playthroughs is about when I started beating Hades. And now, apparently, and all of my friends, same narrative. They're like, oh, man, Hades. So I beat it. And now I'm playing for like 20 more hours. I'm like, why? And like, you, you got to play it. I'm like, okay. But it's this, this it gets its hooks in you and it doesn't sound bad at all. So I'm still getting my feet wet with it. But it's like, so you talk, you're playing it right now. <laughs> I am. That's right. Um, you know, I've done that. I've actually played a game on, on the podcast. I'm notorious for not beating the games that we play. And I've played them while I'm recording. And they're like, this is great. Great job, Dan. Really, thank you. Uh, <laughs> but um, what was I saying? Oh, so the not only do you get boons, which changes your gameplay style on the on the fly, you also get like story while you're like, so you got Zeus. You're going to hear a few lines from Zeus and the voice acting's on it's on some uh, Logan Cunningham. Oh, yeah, he's so good. So good. And yeah, yeah. It's just, it keeps you interested by like, just giving you like, yeah, this game's alive. It's living, breathing. You're not just getting power ups. This is also a character. You're going to learn more about them. than you got their power up. So interesting. So good. Yeah. So we both picked Hades. Yep. Did you have another game on your list? Ch- Children of Morta was the last game I had, which is okay. actually a game I've, we've, we've played on the podcast and it's, um, so put the economy to sleep on this one because it's another it's more like diablo than um i would say hades in the sense that it's a top-down action rpg and you're basically leveling up this family you're playing as members of this family and Mm -hmm. their familial uh legacy is to defeat the evil that comes from the mountain i think or something like that so okay you know one character gets good they all get good and you have to play. You have to rotate them a lot because they get tired and they get battle exhausted. So you can't just like put all your points into John, who's like the family patriarch. You gotta, you know, jump around and use all the different members of the family. They have all different moves, and they basically you don't change weapons with each member. One person's the bow person. Somebody else is a sword person. Someone else uses like a you know spells, and it's got roguelike elements in the sense that you go through dungeons and you collect power-ups and you get certain things that contribute to your experience and again overall gives you that sense of progress and i think that's something that moonlighter does really well and that's something that children of mortar does really well too where it just gives you that like you might not have done so great on that last run but you're going to get some dialogue it's going to make you feel like you actually did something and it's gorgeous also (laughs) i I, i'm very superficial reminds me have you played Enter the Gungeon? Oh, yeah. That, I'm looking at this and it kind of reminds me yes, of that. Yes, it's a little more serious than Enter the Gungeon, but I can see where you get that from. It's got the same kind of like density and grit to it and, and the art's as thought out, I, I would say. But it's 
to me, it's, it's, I guess, thematically closer to Diablo in the sense that you're fighting spiders and when you kill it, you're like, ugh, because it spills its guts everywhere and that's just gross. <laughs> it's like, well, I feel like I wish it was still alive because now it's just everywhere. But, but um, yeah, that's Children of Morta and it's, it's so good. I thought about bringing up Enter the Gungeon now that you mention it. It's it's so much of a roguelike that I was like, there's other games that we can, because I definitely don't feel that sense of progress with Enter the Gungeon. It's it's you either win or you lose. It's a good game, yeah, but you have to be ready to lose a lot and not get a lot of payoff. Yeah, I, I played it for maybe like as again, it's on Xbox Game yeah. Pass. This podcast sometimes is an advertisement for oh, yeah. Xbox Game Pass, but here we are. I played it for like two hours and I was like, I recognize that this is good. This is not a game I want to play. Like this is something that for for someone will be amazing. For me, maybe not. Right. But it's funny you recommended Children of Morta, which is another game by the same publisher, Eleven Eleven Bit yes, Studios. Yes, so. that might be how. I think this was when I wanted to have Moonlighter on. I found this, and I was like, "What about this one?" And they were already thinking about it. And then that was serendipitous. But yeah, they they're a good publishing studio. They they've got a lot of. I think Digital Sun is is is. And they're coming out Is with the dev on it. Um, they're making that new game, Solar Ash. Um, yeah, I I've, I know next to nothing about Solar Ash. Me as Ash. well. But I, I know that I'm excited about it because of who made it. I know that that's it. Like who's working on it. That's that's all I got. <laughs> it's coming out this yeah. year. I don't know. But good studio, 11 bit. In Spain, uh, Digital Sun is in Spain as well. So uh, if anyone is listening to this in Spain, um, there's a there's a, a game studio that's in in your backyard. <laughs> Making all the good stuff. Uh, they get all the good stuff. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up our, our thoughts on, on Moonlighter. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to cover before we wrap it up? Um, I'm appreciative of you having me on to talk about this game because I, I totally wanted a reason to think about it extensively. And I've gotten some of that out. Uh, that's pretty much all I had to say about it. Like I can't really... When it comes to Moonlighter, I feel like we really covered all the bases <laughs> Uh, definitely play this game so, if you're looking for, you know, uh, a roguelike with, with something to come home to. Like, you literally go home at the end of the session in the game. And it's very comforting for some reason. So mm-hmm. that's that's kind of like my final stamp on that, I guess. Yeah, same. The music, uh, there is a, a point where I started listening to podcasts or music while I was playing it. But, like, the, the music is just so quaint. And it, it really sums up my thoughts on, like... The way I felt playing it, it was frustrating. I'm bad at games, but like it really pushed you to keep going mm-hmm. because making it through each of the dungeons, upgrading your shop, seeing people come in, buy things, figuring out the economy, like it was a really fun thing and a really fun twist on roguelikes. It, it reminds me of like the twist in Rogue Rogue Legacy that like, hey, you have a cool family progression throughout time or your characters die and their spawn comes in. Like I love roguelikes that have that cool little twist. And so if you're looking for a roguelike that just isn't roguelike, I can I can do you can do no wrong by playing this game. Yeah, totally. Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Jacob, thank we you for having really, me. Really, really, really appreciate having you um Tell us where we can find all the wonderful things you do. So the best place to just kind of see what I'm working on right now is Twitter, which is at Dan O'Mac on Twitter, D-A-N-O-M-A-K. Um, I make YouTube videos on YouTube and it's youtube.com slash Dan O'Mac. And I like to take games that got a bad rap and sometimes say good things about them because Mark and Dave make fun of me for liking everything. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to weaponize that and I'm going to just turn it to content. And that's what I did. So that's that's a lot of what I do in YouTube. And uh, 
the podcast, which I mentioned already at length, is happening every other week. Uh, and you can find that on podcast everywhere. services everywhere. Yeah. Again, that's the Dinosaur Machines Game Club podcast. Thank you so much for coming, Dan. Thank you again for having me. This was a lot of fun. So anytime you want to talk about Moonlighter, I am here. Well, we <laughs> might we might do something on the DLC years <laughs> from now. Who knows? Uh, you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club, on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub, and on Twitter at leftbehindclub. If you want to join our Discord and talk to the folks in our community about video games, you can find the link to that at leftbehindgame.club slash Discord. You can find me on the internet at Jacob Accord on all major social media platforms. I'm on Twitter. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube. I also host another podcast called Cutscenes. It is a video game movie podcast uh we just are wrapping up season two uh so please if you like movies you like video games and you don't mind hearing the voice of of me or my voice you can find that on all major podcasting platforms um we will end the show uh as we end all of our shows by shouting out michael ruffalo and saying that my friends is one less game left behind <laughs>